0: This is Getting Into It With Grant, so let's get into it. Let's talk about what it's like to work at a big company versus a small company. You see, when you get into information technology, the size of the company that you choose to work for is going to greatly impact your career development as you progress in your career and gain experience. At a small company, certain opportunities are going to come your way to develop your skills, uh, that are going to be different than the kind of opportunities that are going to come to you if you work at a large company. I know it's pretty trendy right now. People want to work at a FANG. Uh The acronym stands for Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, or alphabets Google in terms of the the company that they go work for. It's uh, like what everybody is aiming for these days. I don't necessarily think that should be the target for everybody though. I know that those are trendy, they're they're fads, people really wanna work for those companies because they, they provide great opportunity for people and I'm not discounting that either. Uh, there probably are really great companies to work for but I don't think that should be the target for everybody. I honestly don't think everybody is gonna be happy working at an enterprise of that size. With the size comes a lot of red tape, comes a lot of process and different ways of writing software. Working at a big company is really its own skill set. And before I got my current job, I was debating on whether or not I wanted to work at another massive company with tens of thousands of employees. Because again, with it comes a lot of paperwork, a lot of process and some things. It just, it kind of gets tiring sometimes being compliant with regulations and meeting all the legal jargon that's required of a massive company. Sometimes you don't have to do that as a small company because your liabilities are lower. So those are things that we're going to talk about today. But in general, what I wanted to do was share my experience. You see, I've worked at small companies, startup companies of between one and 40 people. I've worked at medium sized companies of less than a thousand and I've worked at massive Fortune 100 and Fortune 500 companies with over 60,000 employees. And even at that number, we're not including contractors into that count. So the size of these companies is well over 200,000, depending on how you count the people who work for the company. These are all important things for us to discuss because again, the types of opportunities that you're going to have at each of these companies is going to vary widely. So let's talk about small companies first and kind of discuss what it looks like day to day working there. When talking about what it's like to work at a small company, I'm gonna skip over the part of my life where I founded a startup company. It was very different founding a startup company with three other founding members and running that business than it was for me when I was an engineer at a startup company that other people had founded. In this other company, there were a couple dozen people in it and I was just one engineer so being in that role I was very separated from the goals of the business because that's what the founding members of that company were focused on doing I don't know if they really had goals other than make money it seemed to be a bunch of guys who just got together with their skill sets and developed custom circuit boards with embedded software running on them to go fill a business need in the marketplace but I was a contributing member of the business. So I would go into work every single day. I would write my software and help us hit our deadlines because we had customers and clients who were dependent on us releasing our product before they could release their product. Our product helped test their product to make sure it was a high quality product that they were building. So we had to hit our deadlines for them to hit their deadlines. So it was kind of a critical backup and dependency that they had on us. So I would go in and as long as we met our goals and our, our delivery dates, then we were golden. How I helped us get to those dates though was completely up to me. So I had a job title, I was the lead test engineer. I would lead another team of, you know, I don't know, I think it was six engineers who were mostly co-ops from the local university to write a software testing harness to test an API and see on this embedded custom device that we were building as a company so as long as we did our job we would find bugs and defects i would just walk over to the office next to mine and say hey steve found a bug and tell him what it was and he would just kind of fix it on the fly so we at a small company i mean there was no bug ticketing system at that point in our careers uh because the company was so small we weren't really tracking things we were just trying to build a thing to get out to the market and sell and later would come all of the maturity and the rigor and process of having an actual cataloged bug history and um, good software version control for both firmware and for embedded software. A lot of those processes just didn't exist. We had a bare bones model. We did use Bugzilla. I could document the bugs, but I don't know how long those, those hung around at the time. It was definitely not the same as submitting a ticket in JIRA that's going to sit out there for... Five years, 10 years, however long you want to. It's not the same as having your entire life of your API or your program in Git that you can look up on the fly. We hosted our own version control system in house. We hosted our own bug uh, tracking software in house. Just so much less process. And I really liked that. It was, it was so refreshing to be able to sit there and find a problem Go talk to the lead engineer who's writing the, the product and tell him, dude, it's right here. Fix it. And he would be thrilled. He's like, thank you, Grant. Oh, my goodness, man. That was a great find. Because everything that I found was uh, something that our customers weren't going to find in the marketplace. Uh, thankfully, our product by the time I was working there was so good that none of the bugs I found were going to be critical and, and fry the circuit board or fry the attached devices to the circuit board. That would have been catastrophic. This would've been an excellent bugs to find, but at the time uh, we, were, we were more mature than that, but just, we weren't a fully fledged company. We were still very much living from paycheck to paycheck from our clients. We had a line of credit open and things were very risky. The opportunities that came to me working at this small company were pretty cool, I think. So my job title was test engineer, and I went in and I wrote software in C, but I was always trying to figure out better ways of testing the software and so what I did was I had built a user interface in C-sharp because at the time that was a lot easier to whip up a UI in than Java was and definitely a whole lot easier than building one in C or C++. So I built this UI in C-sharp and it made running all of the tests super easy. You didn't have to have a compiler running in the background where you were clicking the run button and then just executing all your software on the embedded device. You actually do it from user interface. And what that allowed us to do was empower other engineers in the company who weren't in the testing department to quickly run some smoke tests on their APIs as they were doing development and make sure they didn't break anything. I think that was a pretty cool experience because it was not part of my job description at all my job was just to come in and test the embedded software but in doing that i had ideas for how to make the testing more effective and well-rounded so that it didn't have to come through me as a bottleneck so i picked up a new programming language in the office and and tried something i experimented and they were totally cool with that as every company should be but larger companies are less cool with it than small companies I think small companies, by the very nature of what they do and having less process and rigor, can accept some of that risk of doing things weird. If you don't fit the the model of everybody else in the company, it's usually a good thing. Like it's your brand; you're just you're kind of your own thing. And being weird at a small company is usually it's it's really a good thing, because when you've got between ten and a hundred people who are contributing to moving the business forward, what you really need is a diverse skill set you don't have 300 java developers you've probably got Jem and andy and stephanie like it's not a whole lot of people and so they've got their own skill sets that they bring to the table so to have a well-rounded company you need a lot of different types of people with different backgrounds different experiences so let's compare and contrast that to what it was like for me working at a medium-sized company At the small company, as I said, we didn't have a whole lot of rigor or process. We self-hosted a lot of our applications and infrastructure that we needed to get our job done. We were focused mainly on hitting dates for clients so that we got paid, so that we could continue to pay the few employees in the company and exist as a business. When I worked in a medium company, that was not a stressor for us at all. We had plenty of money what we were trying to do was build our client base and a lot of that came through building solid products and so this is the first time in my career that I had experienced someone's entire job is to keep version control up and running for the engineers in the company that was a cool transition because the version control at the small company was just running on some guy's server in the building but at the medium company we actually had a data center and someone had been hired to administrate our version control and so i had to get my credentials and log in and check in my code regularly we also had a solid bug tracking software Uh, i don't believe we used jira at the time i forget the name of it it was an ibm product and we had submitted all of our bugs into that product and it was again administrated by someone else whose full-time job was to keep that up and running and then to generate audit logs for the government because this was again in defense contracting as much of my early career was and so there's a little bit more rigor associated with software development We had established processes that were regulated by the government. We had to follow the steps of development. We had to actually have a process for software development. This was before agile was a thing in the industry. It was iterative development at the time or spiral development. So it was a prescribed method of how to write software, how to iterate on it and build a better product and we were really experimenting with that at this medium-sized company. So you can see there's a little bit more red tape associated with the things we were doing, a little bit more oversight from the government in this company than the first one, and in my career there was a lot more, um, what's the right word, it's not rigor, but there was a lot more structure to my title and career progression. At the first company I worked for, the really small one, they would just let you, you hang at your career position as long as they could get away with it and titles didn't mean anything. So you had 40, 14 people in the company. It's not like you're working your, your way up the ranks from software engineer three to the level two to level one to senior to technical lead. There was, there was no technical lead. He was our CTO. <laughs> There's, it's the CTO and everybody else and when i was in that company i just i became a leader by showing initiative and becoming the lead of the people who were there people would look to me for advice and i became their lead so i just kind of informally put lead on my title because that's the role that i was playing at the company it wasn't that i got a promotion and became a lead over the department people just recognized me as their leader so that's how i got the position of lead at the small company I also found that at the medium-sized company, I still had as much leeway at choosing technical products to spend my time on as I did at the small company. And what I mean by that is the deadlines that were being set for me were not aggressive enough, and so what I would do is get my work done sooner than they needed it, and then I would have some gaps of time, sometimes two weeks at a time, where I had nothing to do. And so what I did was fill that time with other products and and projects of my own that would kind of help mature our product, move things along. I could work ahead on the schedule, but really I spent my time on UI and UX development because I found that very interesting at the time. And so I kind of became known in the company as the guy who could build really good user interfaces. And we used those to showcase our product for customers that we would give tours of the building. So it was a cool place to be at. You can really build your own reputation like I did and whatever you choose to. Uh, if, you know, they're not working you too hard and <laughs> moving you towards burnout, which has happened to me before. But I liked working at a medium sized company, too it had a a lot of structure in my day but not too much had a lot of opportunity to do self-directed work and study and uh, just i really thrived at that size of company moving on to a very large company what i found at fortune 500 companies is this is where the meme of the office drone really comes in you find a lot of people at these big companies they they just go through the motions they come into work they do their job and they go home And then they spend their evenings disconnected from work and they come back in the next day that's one type of person another type of person is the one who just works around the clock and never stops and that you know technology it takes all types of people to work in these fields and at these companies and so i think that at the the large companies you just get a lot more opportunity to be able to come in and go through the motions if you're If you're of average skill, you come in and you can kind of hide and do your job and go home and everything is okay. Your interactions with these people may vary based on the company that you work for. At one of the companies I worked for, this office drone accounted for probably 90% of the entire workforce. It was crazy to work there. 10% 10% of the engineers were the ones that I wanted to, to interact with regularly. And on every single team, I knew the go-to person and I had built a relationship with them so I could really just get things done in that company by reaching out to the right people. But at another company that I worked for of the same size, 90% of the employees were outstanding and 10% were the ones that you wanted to avoid. So I don't know what it what secret formula there is to make a company air towards one of those styles versus the other so even at massive companies you're going to have to pick and choose wisely to end up at one where there really is top talent there versus the one that kind of just hires i don't know by whatever different criteria there is So um, massive companies, the, the corporate culture matters a whole lot. How they develop their employees or don't develop them matters a whole lot. So anything, any research you can do on Glassdoor with these big companies is going to give you an insight into whether or not you want to work there. And the wonderful thing about massive companies is that they have a constant stream of people coming in to work for the company and a constant stream of people leaving to go work elsewhere. What this means is that there's a a high volume of experiences that have been posted online of what it's like to work for that company. Not saying that all of them are true, but what you can do is utilize all of that information to your benefit to find a great company to work for, one that's going to nurture you and your skills and your career development. Because if you're trying to be popular and work at Google because it looks good on your resume, that's one thing. But if you're trying to be a great, outstanding engineer, that's a totally different thing. Find a company that's going to nurture that in your career, but on the downside, working at these major companies, what I found is I usually have less leeway on the tech stack that I am using than I do at the small companies. At the small companies, like I said, we're just trying to hit our goals so that we can sell a product, uh, maybe create some disruption, probably a lot of disruption in the marketplace. Those are all good things. At the medium company, you're trying to build a quality application, but you generally don't have to follow as much rigor as large companies. At the big company, what you're trying to do is create a stable, maintainable application because the scale of what you're doing is way larger than anything else that engineers have really worked on at the small companies. You've got millions, sometimes billions of users, and definitely billions of transactions per second that are being processed. So a bug is not just a bug. A bug turns into 1 million failed transactions that need to be cleaned up by some uh, administrator or operations engineer. It just causes total chaos. So you don't want bugs to get into production. It's a big problem. You have segregated environments from each other. So you do your software development in a non-production environment, and then you migrate it up through different various uh, environments until you get to your production environment where it goes live. When it goes live, you don't want bugs out there again causes total chaos it causes damage to the company in terms of public relations it looks bad sometimes it's embarrassing for a tech company so what you don't want to do is introduce random technologies into the middle of your portfolio for that reason it introduces risk that's unnecessary we want maintainable stable applications i'll give an example of this also if you are on a team of java developers it would not be appropriate to hire a Python developer with no Java experience. If you do that, you're going to get Python applications on your team, and you're going to need people to maintain those applications. But if your Python developer goes on vacation, who's going to do that? So you need to make sure that your team has skill sets that can back one another up and make sure that the portfolio continues to operate, even when people leave, go on vacation, they get sick, so again, it's a, as a manager, I'm trying to think of building my teams in ways that are going to reduce risk for the portfolio and uh, for the product line. And so with that comes conformity to a tech stack and usually rigorous uh, following of that tech stack and very little room for uh, experimentation. Not that experimentation doesn't occur at these major companies, but it happens less frequently. A lot of these big companies do try to encourage and nurture experimentation and new ideas. They put on regular hackathons, sometimes annually or biannually to try and encourage new ideas to come up and build it, be built into products. But generally at a major company, what happens is a merger and an acquisition, M&A. A startup company has caused some disruption in the marketplace. They get to a point where their product is viable and a major company buys it, merges it in, and suddenly this, this, big company now has some new ideas, some some fresh talent, so to speak. And so that's how they create disruption and stay uh, up to date with emerging technology. They just buy it. But coming back to the stability and maintainability conversation. Sometimes at these major companies, uh, you'll find yourself on a team that is working on what's called a legacy application. And all that means is the product itself is, is probably pretty old. It may not have been architected the best way possible. It probably grew organically over time to suit a need that it was never intended to suit when it was first built. Uh, and so, you know, you'll, you'll end up working on this application and it doesn't get fixed it just exists in its kind of wonky state because it does the job it's not that it's filled with bugs it's just not like if you had set out to build a thing to do what it's doing you probably wouldn't have built what you have because it grew into that purpose over time but you don't go back and fix that because you've got new goals you're trying to move your business forward. And if you don't do these things over here and you look backwards to optimize this this product, you may actually introduce more bugs and cause instability. Um, You won't be moving your business forward. You're gonna be taking time from yourself to go back and work on a product that you're not gonna make any more money from if you were to re-architect it and do things properly. So you're gonna just have to live with some inefficiencies at a large company that you may not have to live with at a small company. Usually because the scale is smaller, the problems are smaller, systems don't hang around for 30 years until they require a massive rewrite. It's a different ecosystem entirely. And the last thing that I want to discuss at a big company compared to the others is career development. Usually at a major company, the career structure is very structured and rigorous, and sometimes they're even set in stone timelines for how quickly you can progress to the next phase of your development. And those guidelines are always set by HR in these major companies, and they are actually different from company to company. So there's no formula that works for all of them. But what I can tell you is you don't know what you don't know. So within each job grade is what we call them. What you're going to do is you're going to be there for a length of time. You may think you know that job profile, you know that role, you know everything there is about it. But as a manager, I'll tell you, there are experiences and responsibilities that are going to come your way within each of those pay grades or job profiles that you just need to wait for. And you you need to wait for a certain event to happen to gain that experience that you don't know about yet. To be able to prove that you're ready for that next step in your career so sometimes at these big companies you're going to hang around in a pay grade for a year before you can make it to that next step sometimes it's three years if the right opportunity doesn't come along Uh, an example of this would be maybe you are a top level engineer getting ready to move to senior or principal engineer but your entire career so far has only been spent on working on existing applications You've moved from team to team to team and inherited technical stacks and applications in a portfolio, but you've never built one from scratch to show that you're a senior engineer. You need an opportunity to build an application from scratch. Show show your manager, your leader, how you can architect a solution or how you can work with architects to build a sound solution. How do you think through support, maintainability? How do you think through the problems of staffing for that application? Like How, how can you make all of that stuff stable? Those are only going to come if you have an opportunity to build a new application from scratch. So if you are working at a large company or even a small company, I'd encourage you to talk to your manager, find out what experiences it is that you are lacking to get to that next level in your career. And then also work with them to create that opportunity for you to develop the skill or show what you can do and really prove where your your skill level is at so that you can make your career path uh, set up to be able to get to that next level your career development is partly on your shoulders, partly on your manager's shoulders. So do everything in your power to accelerate that on your own timeline and don't wait on other people to develop you. You develop yourself. So these are my experiences at a small company, medium and a large company. I hoped it helped. I didn't try and go into all of the specifics of the industries. These are just general cases. So if you do have a specific industry or a specific job class that you are in right now and you're curious about it, you can shoot me an email at hello at grantdryden.com. I'm happy to discuss this with you. Or you can send me a message on LinkedIn. Go to grantdryden.com. You can find all the information you would ever care to know about me on that website. So please don't be a stranger. Connect with me. If you like the podcast, drop me a rating and subscribe, and we'll see you next time.